Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm News Press reporter Adam Regan, and I'm joined, as per usual, by Naples Daily News Sports reporter Adam Fisher. Fisher, how's it going? One team left this week, and it's not a Collier County team. No, it's not. I was going to say, Adam Fisher, who is done covering football for the uh, 2019 year, um, going pretty well. Good games last week. One that I got to see. Good game. Well, I guess not so much a good game that you got to see, but a game. Um, and a pretty good game in town this week, so I'm looking forward to it. So before we get to that one game involving Bishop Vero in a regional final, let's look back at some of the games from last week. First, we'll start with Miami Central and Naples. Naples gives up the most points they've ever given up in a playoff game in school history. What, 56 points? 56 points, and the, before that, the most they had given up was 48 points to Miami Central back in 2012. It was not their biggest loss, 33-point loss. Their biggest loss was 35 points, which was the year before to Miami Northwestern. So clearly these Miami teams have a Naples number, and uh, I want to give credit to my partner, Adam Regan, who wrote such a great story last week kind of about how South Florida, those three counties on the East Coast, have kind of dominated our schools here, which you kind of would expect just given the population and the demographics and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, yeah, Naples started out pretty good. I was surprised. Naples got a three and out on the first drive. Their defense did. Poor kick by Miami Central. Naples goes down and scores. They're up 7 nothing. They're up 14-7. to They're also up 17-14 to in the second quarter. And that was about it for Naples. Well, Bill Kramer had told you prior to the game that they were going to have to play, you know, a fundamentally sound kind of perfect type of game. Did they play that type of game? And Miami Central just had way too many athletes and just kind of overpowered them with speed. Right. Naples didn't make too many mistakes, per se, as far as penalties and uh, turnovers. What it was, was, and Coach Kramer said after the game, you know, these guys are so dynamic, so good. You give them any little crease, they're going to take off. So maybe they weren't as fundamentally sound as they could have been on the defensive end. And who it was, it was the stud players we talked about last week that did the damage for Miami Central. You know, Amari Daniels, who has Power 5 offers from Auburn, Florida State. He had 198 yards, two touchdowns. Miami commit Shimon Mateyer caught a touchdown. Uh, Yule Keith Brown with 14 Power 5 offers as a junior. He was great at two receiving touchdowns. And then their FIU recruit, Key John Owens, had 100 yards and a touchdown. So these ridiculous athletes just did what they do and scored a bunch of points. So to put a bow on the Naples Golden Eagles season for the year, this is basically what we thought was going to happen, yeah. right? We, th- we thought they were going to run into Miami Central, and they were going to lose. It just happened a little earlier than yeah, we It happened it one round earlier than it could have, second round instead of third round. And I don't see it changing next year, to be honest, unless something crazy happens where, you know, we've seen in the past where a really good Miami team has lost all their players when, you know, someone like Uncle Luke takes over to Miami Edison and all the players congregate there or, you know, in Lee County when a former NFL running back takes over a team and a lot of players congregate there. So unless there's a mass exodus at Miami Central, uh, you even have to deal with Dillard. Naples is going to run into them in the first three rounds. Uh, next year and then the reclassification will have to happen after that 
and we'll see where we go from there. And I will say this in Miami, from doing that story last week, you learned that there are those have and have not schools. There are, you know, maybe five or six schools in the Miami area where everybody congregates to, and in past years, it's been Carroll City. In past years, it's been Northwestern, Miami Central, Booker T. Washington. Booker T. So they kind of follow the coaches around. So it is quite possible that maybe there might be a mass exodus from Miami Central. I'm not thinking it's going to happen, but it's entirely possible. So this region could be shaken up. I mean, who knows? They might head to Miami Southridge or something like that. You're right. You know? Though I will give credit. Miami Central has done it for an extended amount of time. Since 2010, you know, they won – Four state championships, five state championships in six years. Now that was the last one was 2015. However, the past two years they lost to Miami Northwestern in the playoffs, and then they missed the playoffs because they were in the same district as Miami Northwestern. So although Central did not win state championships in 16, 17, 18, they were still good. They lost to a really good team. So I expect Central to be around next year, and that's trouble for Fort Myers and Naples. Speaking of Fort Myers. Uh... I think we got surprised a little bit about the performance from the Green Wave. I thought they were going to be tough, but I thought Dillard was going to hand them, handle them pretty easily. But this score was tied 28-28 yeah. at halftime. Fort Myers jumps out to a 14-point lead in the second quarter, and then I think it was Dillard that, that gives up 21 straight points, and then Zamari Harvin comes back with a pick six to tie it. But then in the second half, Fort Myers' offense was kind of shut down there, and Dillard scores a touchdown uh, in the in the second half. And then last possession of the game for Dillard, they take a safety, right. you know, so because they don't want to give up a punt return. Fort Myers gets the ball, and they have a couple shots to the end zone to perhaps try to win this game. Carter Lane missed John Calais on a, a shorter throw, and then he threw three into the end zone, if I'm not mistaken, and that was all she wrote for Fort Myers. It was an, uh, an, an unfortunate ending when the Green Wave is up 21-7 to in the second quarter, as you said. But this was a highly entertaining game. We were up in the booth in Naples High School. Alex Martin, one of our uh, cohorts here at the newspaper, was up there with us. And we were listening to the game on the radio on our phone. And uh, just fun to listen to. I said beforehand I expected a high-scoring affair, two offenses that could score, but maybe had, had a suspect schedule, and so their defenses maybe could, could give up some points. And that happened in the first half. Second half, not so much fun. The only touchdown was in the final three minutes when Dillard went ahead. Score was tied 28-28 for, you know, what, 20 minutes, something like that. But, but very entertaining. Eight touchdowns in the first half, one in the second half. As you said, Regan, you got to give credit to Fort Myers, who really went over there and fought. And, you know, if you would have told me Fort Myers lost 35-30, to 30, you'd say, hey, that's really, really good effort. It just kind of stings for the wave when you were up 21-7. to 7. That, that stinks. That hurts. Yeah, and I think, as we said with Dillard, that they played a soft schedule, and I think it kind of showed. I think we thought that maybe Dillard might just wear out Fort Myers, and I don't think that's what happened, really, in no. this game. I think Fort Myers held their own in this one. They've been great since they lost those back-to-back games against Charlotte and Cypress Lake a couple months ago, and they've really come together as a team. I think Caden Baker, their big-time offensive lineman there who's committed to North Carolina, has really brought this team together as well as a few other guys, and they really finished strong in this one, and I don't think they have anything to hang their heads about in terms of this loss to Dillard. I know it's the second round. I know they'd rather, you know, they're used to going to regional finals and stuff like that, and that would have been an interesting matchup had they hosted Miami Central yeah. in the regional championship game, but it was not to be. No, I, as you said, I want to give credit to Fort Myers for what they did. You know, 
I don't want to say we wrote them off after they dropped to one and two, but you kind of stop paying attention to them when they lost to Cypress Lake. Your focus gets on Cypress Lake or undefeated Naples in the same region. But yeah, they won eight in a row until their loss to Dillard, and they went to Dillard on the road in uh, you know one of those South Florida football hotbeds we talk about and really fought hard. So they did great. They've got a good amount coming back. They lose, you know, Sias Young, John Calais, Camden Baker, the lineman you talked about. We got your quarterback, Carter Lane, back, who do for 1,200 yards, 12 TDs. Zamari Harvin had 900 yards this year and 13 touchdowns. So Fort Myers will be very good again next year. Yeah, and that really does it for the teams that kind of got knocked off last week. But there was one thing I wanted to add about this week. Uh, the coaching carousel in Southwest Florida has already started. Already. Uh, Travis Smith stepped down after six years at Mariner. That's his alma mater. He was 19 and 39 for his career. A tough job at Mariner, you know, with the whole transfer epidemic, kids just leaving Mariner. It's, but they've held their own. They played in a bunch of one-score games this year. They could have easily been 7-3. and three. They could have beaten DeSoto. They could have beaten Ida Baker. And it really could have turned around for him. Travis took a job outside of education. Uh probably went for that money yeah uh, a, lot, a lot of that going around teachers kind of like journalists you know you do it because you love it but uh, if you get a job offer for a good money in the private sector hey go for uh, it but there was he it was very notable because he on his way out he decided to torch high school athletics and the transfer epidemic that's going around yeah. in florida you know he basically made the point that a kid could play football at one school and then go play basketball at another school and then go play you know a spring sport at another school yeah. all in the same school year and that's really you can do that and he said that it's really ruining high school athletics it's giving private schools more of an opportunity to scoop up kids and pay their coaches more too he also went off on that rant that we've heard so many times and he's not wrong no definitely and, and let's point out though that these transfer rules this is a state law the state legislator passed the uh, rules that govern the FHSAA about six seven years ago so as much as we give crap to Lee County it's state law. The same thing can happen in Collier. It's just difficult. You know, the school systems can make rules as far as open seats at schools for transfers and things. I'm not sure about all the, you know, little dynamics to it, but I do know it, it happens more often in Lee County, but those are state laws that were passed six, seven years ago. And yeah, it's the wild west out here and it's bad over on the East Coast. It's, it's worse, yeah. but we're getting there, I think. And this transfer thing, it's not new, but it's become very in vogue over the last decade or so. Yeah, you're right, and I don't know what to do to, ch to change it other than you know give the FHSAA its power back, and I don't know why the state legislators are, are mandating that. You know, I do have one suggestion. I mean, if you know a coach, whoever it is, is recruiting, and you have proof, turn them into the FHSAA. That's no, the no, no, no. Turn them into us so we can write award-winning stories about this because that's the thing people want to complain about recruiting and say, why aren't you doing a story about ECS? Because there's no proof. Like, I mean, well, if you can give me text, exactly, message, text messages exactly. and DMs, we're going to write it. I can't FA, you rumors. can report it to the FHSA. The fines now are astronomical. There's suspensions involved. There are consequences for this. So I would suggest to coaches, you know, turn these people in if you don't like it. Have you ever seen that since you've been here? I remember I've had one time one coach officially go on record and accuse another one, at least in football, of recruiting and nothing came of it. <laughs> like, this was a. Mm -hmm. uh, Golden Gate accusing Naples back in 2010, and there was a handwritten note from a Golden Gate player that said, Naples coaches came to my house and recruited me, and there was no punishment whatsoever. <laughs> so it, it's very hard to prove. Well, I know of one athletic director in the area that's reported another school multiple times, and again, nothing For football has come for specifically? Or? Yes, this okay. year.
again, hard to prove. Hard to prove. So when we come back, we're going to break down the big regional final game between Bishop Barrow and Clearwater Central Catholic. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Hey everybody, welcome back to the second segment where we are going to talk about the one team still standing, Bishop Rowe, playing at home in a regional championship game. Before we do it, I want to give a credit to a couple other nearby teams that are still playing. Charlotte, as the sixth seed, beat Lake Gibson 45-42 to in a barn burner last week. Four OTs. That's right, so they're still alive in 6A, right? The other region, Region 3. And then Moorhaven who beat First Baptist, knocked them out. They came back, and they uh, stomped Westminster, the two-seed, in the regional semifinals. They get to the 2A Region 4 finals, and I remember you, Regan, just saying, Moorhaven's not that good this year. You think they're they're better than they are, and and hey, here we go. They're, they're still playing, so props to the Terriers. Anything you want to add? No. Cool. Awesome. All right, so Bishop Varel, last week they won 28-7 to against Palm Beach Gardens Benjamin again too many words in your title I don't like that and that's why I'm glad simple two-word Bishop Vero won but you were at that game it was close early right and Bishop Vero's defense just kind of uh carried them is that is that the way it went yeah this was a weird one because Bishop Vero they turned the ball over seven times Jeez. in this game but their defense forced six turnovers Jeez. and how many times have you covered a game where a team has won with that many turnovers I've maybe seen a couple games in my entire life where a team turned the ball over seven times. I can promise you they didn't win any of those times. Yeah, that being said, Bishop Faro, they did what they needed to do to win this ball game. And I got to say, Nick Perez, the quarterback there, he has cemented his spot as the starter. He has really turned this offense around. Remember, if we were talking last week about how Bishop Faro was missing Malik Curtis down yeah. the field. And they probably missed him four or five times against North Fort Myers. Well, Nick Perez found Malik Curtis when he needed to early in the game, found him down the sideline. And I think that was really a big momentum booster. And the Bishop Road defense, we talked about Santino Marucci, the quarterback for Palm Beach Gardens, yes. Benjamin, and how he was a D1 prospect. He's got offers from schools like Nebraska. Well, they made him look like a Division Three walk-on. <laughs> and it was very impressive. They forced him into bad situations. And, yeah, they really dominated this game. And after the game was over, as I was doing interviews, they were watching the stream of the Clearwater Central Catholic oh, Berkeley really? Prep game, which went to three overtimes. That's fun. And, obviously, the Vero guys, they were rooting for CCC, to, be, for, to shorten that Triple long C. name. And they were rooting for them because that would have created a home game situation, yep. and that's exactly what happened. So Bishop Rowe got exactly what they wanted, a home game and a regional final for the chance to go back to state for the first time in it's probably since 1994. Yeah, I think 1994 was when it was. Um, let me ask you this. What what happened with um, Azizi? Did, he, did they just go away from him, or was he injured, or they just went with the hot hand with Perez? Because Azizi played regular time the game before against North Fort Myers. He was only 2 of 5 for – Negative six passing yards. His passing total actually went down against Benjamin last week. So did they just roll with Perez because he was doing better? I didn't really get a clear answer on that. But you didn't from see Josh him get Vogelbach. hurt or anything? No, I don't think he got hurt. I think they just decided to go with the dynamic that Nick Perez brings. He's a running quarterback 
who apparently can sling it down the field too. He proved that much. He's a senior, a little bit of leadership there. I think the guys were playing for him. So, yeah, I don't think it was a matter of Azizi, you know, not being effective. I just think that they had a better chance to win with Nick Perez. Well, and when they did, he went 7 of 9 passing for 109 yards, two touchdowns, ran for 59 yards and two touchdowns. So you can't fault them. It'll be interesting to see who they play Friday when Clearwater Central Catholic comes to town. Clearwater Central Catholic, 9-3. and three. Just call them CCC, man. Triple C. Because you're having problems over there. I am. It, it, again, I struggle to, to talk normally when I have to string a couple words together. It's very difficult. Um, but, yeah, what uh, you're doing the preview story, the big feature for this game. Just what stands out to you the most about this game? Well, I think the biggest question is how worn out is CCC after playing one of their rivals and playing them three overtimes – and an instant classic. Do they have enough gas in the and, tank to make that two-hour and change trip down to Fort Myers and, and win that ball game? Let's say they also played the week before that because they did not have a bye in the first round like Bishop Rowe did. So Bishop Rowe has an extra week of rest. I also think it's very interesting. They have a lot of common opponents with Bishop Rowe. Uh, CCC, they beat Tampa Catholic, as did Bishop Rowe, but... CCC beats Tampa Catholic 27-9, and I believe that Bishop Rope only beat Tampa Catholic by one point. And then you have both of them killed Cardinal Mooney, which was understandable. But then the one I really find interesting with CCC is they beat University School out yeah. of Fort Lauderdale 36-15, to whereas Bishop Rowe, they lost to him by one score. They gave him a good game, and but that University School is stacked. That is a very good team. Because of those common opponents, uh, their RPI is very, very similar. Good old Trip C has a, a slightly better opponent's winning percentage, 592 to 589, while Bishop Rowe has a slightly better opponent's opponent's winning percentage. And because of that, Bishop Rowe has the uh, higher overall winning percentage with a 9-2 and two record, Triple C, 9-3. and three. That's why Bishop Rowe has the nod as the two seed in this region. So Clearwater Central Catholic, as you would expect, you know, a private school in Tampa area, Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete area. They've got some really good athletes. Their senior running back, Jordan Niles, has 1,800 yards and 25 touchdowns this year, averaging 8.5 yards a carry, and he has just three scholarship offers, according to 24-7 Sports. Only one of them is Division I, Southern Miss, but 5'7", 182, so he's kind of that bowling ball uh, powerful back, but 1,800 yards. Bishop Rose defense is going to have their handful. They're, they're really going to have to slow him down. I really want to see that matchup of him in the hole against Derek Erickson, the linebacker from Bishop Rowe, who's just a straight-up animal. Yeah, he's I mean, got what, like over 100 tackles this year. I was looking at uh, stats for uh, our, our potential all-area. Five interceptions, yeah, yeah. too. And, P- yeah. Pretty nasty. Yeah, I, another guy that I think kind of got highlighted last week for CCC, uh, Johnny Newton. Yep. Uh, he scored the game winner. He's six foot three, two 255 pounds. That guy can't be a running back, right? Well, he's a defensive tackle committed to Maryland, but he has 49 carries or 46 carries and 10 touchdowns. So they're just giving him that goal line work. I think they're just pounding him in there, letting him like uh, the Fridge Perry, you know, just plowing through people on the goal line. But he also has caught six passes, so he's got some athleticism. I, it seems, and in the overtimes, they gave it to this kid late to just barrel through that line. Like I said, it's going to be a really interesting matchup, that CCC running game versus the right. and I front don't, seven of As Bishop good Rowe, as Bishop yeah. Rowe's defense is, um, and I don't necessarily know what you know university school bought, brought to Bishop Rowe, but I can almost guarantee you they haven't had to tackle a 6'3", 255-pound running back this year. That, that's going to yeah. be difficult. And, and it'll be a little bit of a change from one week to another because 
the defense for Bishop Rowe, they had three guys rushing the passer, and they dropped eight into coverage last week against Santino Marucci. I imagine they're going to stack the box this week against CCC. I agree. Uh, defenses, both these defenses have 13 interceptions on the year. We talked about Bishop Rowe forced six turnovers last week. Of course, they committed seven themselves. So I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be high scoring. Is it going to be a low scoring? I imagine it'll be kind of in the middle, kind of like what we saw last week. Maybe uh, CCC scores more than seven points, but somewhere in the, that 20-point range, I would guess. I'll tell you what, though. On the sideline, there were a lot of people talking on the Bishop Rowe sideline that they said, if they bring, if they play the way they played against Palm Beach Gardens, Benjamin against either CCC or Berkeley Prep, it's not going to be pretty. Everybody knew it. Seven turnovers is not going to cut it in a regional final. I don't care what happened last week. No, seven turnovers, man. They're so lucky to win. That that's crazy. Um, let's but say they won twenty-eight to seven, though. It wasn't a close game, right? And they still won despite turning the ball over seven times. It's not going to happen twice in a row. So right. they need to clean that up. You're pushing your luck a little bit. Uh, let's say this is at home, Bishop Row. So it is the only game in town. It's going to be a great night out there on that Bishop Row turf. I know they got a great little stadium out there. Second straight year in the regional finals for Bishop Verreau, uh, but they were on the road last year, correct? Yeah, and they were also playing Coco, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take that for what it's worth. I, I looked it up, and this is according to the FHSAA um, record book, which has been flawed in years past, but I think this is the sixth time Bishop Verreau has gotten to the regional final. Uh, last year was the fifth time. Before that, it was all the way back in the, the 90s, or maybe 2002, something like that. But they've been to the final four three times, 1990, 1991, and 1994. They uh, got to the state finals in 90 and 94 and lost both times. So if they can win this game, they're in the state final four for the first time in 25 years and the fourth time in school history. Yeah, and then winning a regional championship, your prize for that is to probably have to play Shamanah Madonna. Yeah, who beat Miami Central, who beat the Tar out of Naples. First things first, though, let's see if the Vikings can get past CCC. Correct. Well, that'll do it for this segment when we come back we're gonna make our last picks of the year on the podcast for the most in-depth analysis of high school football in lee and collier county each week go to naplesnews.com and news-press.com follow us on instagram at newspress sports and ndn prep zone on twitter nphs sports and ndn underscore prep zone or download our apps Welcome back to our final segment of the year, our final pick segment. We're not going to do a podcast next week because of Thanksgiving week and all that, but definitely if Bishop Verreau beats Clearwater Central Catholic this week, go to news-press.com sports for all your coverage and previews of a possible state semifinal game. But before we do our pick, let's rehash the records from this year. So last week we picked all the same, is that right? Yes, we both went 4-0. Nice. That's not new for me, but it's definitely new for well, you. Well, that, that increases my winning percentage a little bit, even though I'm still going to lose by, what, 8, 9, 12 games, 14? 18. What? 18? So yeah, Fisher is seven. Andy Sodergren, man. That, year, that week I was gone, Andy Sodergren filled in, lost all those games. That son of a gun. Yeah. Fisher's 74 and 48. I am 92 and 30, and I am disappointed in myself. I wanted to get to that 100 win mark. Man, you almost did. So, what what do we have? Uh, 11 regular season weeks, and we'll say two. So, 13 weeks of picking games. If you would have just got one each week for a couple weeks, you would have. Palmetto Ridge. They got gotcha. you. I, I, I picked them early in the season, and then I picked against them late in the season. Ah. 
So yeah, Chris it, Token and my guy just just well, completely was, derailed uh, my my picks. They, they had so many injuries early, you couldn't really predict them. And then after they finish 0-5, you can't pick them to win, you know? I had the right idea picking them early in the season. Right. I knew that they were going to be pretty good, and they really proved me right towards the end of the season. I just wasn't on the bandwagon at that point in time. So here we go. Regional final. Clearwater Central Catholic at Bishop Verreau. I'm going to give you the first pick. I said last week, I think Bishop Rowe just has a little something extra this year. You know, even last year when they, I believe they went undefeated in the regular season. Is that right, last year? No. No, but they went really, really well, did really well um, for the first time in a while where they've done this good. You know, they're just a different level this year. Um, with the two quarterbacks to turn to if you need them to go deep, I just got a feeling about them. They're at home, the only game in town. That stadium is going to be jam-packed. It's going to be raucous. It's going to be nuts. And with the fact that they don't have to go on the road, you know, last week if, if Berkeley Prep would have won, they would have had to go all the way up there. Berkeley Prep, a great team. Now, Clearwater Central Catholic beat Berkeley Prep, but still overall I don't think they're as good. I'm taking the Vikings. Like, I, I think they're going to win and screw up Mr. Regan's Thanksgiving week. <laughs> so let me ask you a question, Bishop Rowe. You didn't – I didn't want to say you didn't think much of them early in the season. Right. What was your line of thinking early in the season about Bishop Rowe, considering they went to a regional final last year, but you were well, I not th- on completely on board? Right. I thought they were a fine 3A team. And when they played Baron Collier, I was like, okay, you know, they're going down to the 6A school and they're going to lose, but they should fight pretty well. And I knew they had a very tough schedule. I didn't know a ton about the region, but I knew it involved these kind of Tampa and Clearwater teams. Um, so I knew they were going to be good. I just didn't think they would be as good as they've shown me, stepping up and beating those 6A schools in North Fort Myers. Baron Collier, I got to see him in that first game when Nick Perez kind of surprised us all coming in and playing and switching with Azizi. I really liked Perez back then, real big, hard runner as a quarterback. And so just what the defense has shown me as well, you've been touting the defense all year, and uh, I bought in, and now I think they're going to go to a uh, state Final Four. I think it's just something special they have going on there. Head coach Josh Vogelbach, he's an incredible head coach, uh, incredibly humble guy, great offensive mind. But I think a huge difference for this team is John Warren, their defensive coordinator. Mm. I mean, he played with Vogelbach at, at Bishop Verreau, and He's coached at the college level, and he really knows how to motivate these defensive guys. Like, they haven't had a shutout in a while, but they're always looking towards that. You know, even if they're up 28-7, to 7, they want to shut you down. They're so hungry, and Derek Erickson, Mark Taglieri, these guys are great leaders, and... I think that they're going to lead them to a victory over CCC. I know no drama. We didn't pick against each other, but I think we're both on the same page here. Bishop Verreau is special this year. I think they were special last year. I just think they're more special. They this are year. more special. Yes. Hey, let's give them Specialer. credit. I wanted to look it up. I was just curious. They've given up 109 points in 11 games. That's amazing. That's less than 10 points a game. That's against a very good schedule, like we talked about. Yeah, and their losses have been impressive, too. You know, they lost to Delray American Heritage and by one score, and then they also lost to University School right. by one score. And University School, I think they're still in the playoffs right and now. And I think American Heritage is I, as well. I think American Heritage got beat by okay. Tampa Catholic, actually, who Bishop Verreau beat. So yeah. I think that... The Vikings are going back to state semifinals, and we'll see how it goes from there. Well, even if they win, as Mr. Regan said, there will not be a podcast next week. I am off. 
the first time in my life I've been able to take an entire week off around Thanksgiving. I got family coming to town. I'm very excited. Um, and we know that it is Thanksgiving, so people will be with their families and whatnot, so we won't be doing a podcast. As this is our last time together, Mr. Regan, any parting thoughts on the second season of the podcast? I want to thank everyone who listened. I've been getting a lot more comments from coaches, from players, people on Twitter. A lot more people have been listening this year, uh, which is great because we really like doing it and we like spreading the knowledge that we've gained you know, in our, our years here covering football. Yeah, I'm thankful for the listeners, too. A lot of people come up to me and say, you know, I totally agree with what you said. That's most of the time they agree with me. <laughs> but uh, there are a few times where people disagree with me. I enjoy those people more. I enjoy engaging in, you know, civil discussions about high school football. That's what we do. I mean, that's really our number one priority here at the News Press and Naples yep. Daily News is uh, bringing you the best coverage in southwest Florida. And I am thankful for you as well, Adam Fisher, yep. for uh being a great podcast partner and being terrible in the pick segment and making me look fantastic. <laughs> that That's my goal is to make you look good. Um, also, let's give thanks one more time to our fabulous producers. Normally, Andrew Melendez, who we've thanked, but today we have Amanda Inscore in, who's doing great for us. I honestly, honestly want to give them thanks because they do all the work. I do nothing but sit in a chair and talk in a microphone, and that's it. The producers produce it. I believe you uh, you help publish it and promote it, and I just sit back and, and chill. I mean, to be fair, though, you and I would be just sitting on a bar stool, you know, talking about this anyway, but our, our fabulous producers, they put the microphones in front of us. They, you know, do all the editing and stuff like that. So, really, they're the real stars of yep, the show. most definitely. And uh, our, our editor, Ed Reed, let's thank him as well for letting us do this and uh, helping us start it up last year. And hopefully we'll be back for Season 3. And as always, get at us on Twitter. Email us, let us know your thoughts, whatever you want. And again, thank you for listening. We will see you next year. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Thursday at noon to get you ready for the coming week's games.